Again, uh, we're just a, thankful for Wednesday nights and doing the discipleship journey. Again, this discipleship journey series is to help you not only grow if you're a brand new believer, but it's also to help you to actually disciple someone else. So this is not just for you, it's to help you to help someone else as well. So hopefully you're uh, not uh, just sitting back listening, you're actually taking notes and learning from this so you can grow and uh, mature, but also help others as God brings someone in your life to disciple up. If it's not your own family, it could be someone else that God, a friend or so in your life. So again, I, uh, it's just a, a amazing uh, feedback that I'm getting from people all over that are watching online all over, uh, around the world actually, and uh, locally. So I'm encouraged by that. So we're gonna continue down uh, taking each step at a time and helping you guys through this process. But let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you again uh, for this evening, Lord, as we gather here in your name. And we just ask you to, just to the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way in the hearts of the people who are listening and that you would help them to grow and, and to just put your finger right on some things, Lord, that maybe they need to change, to biblically change in their lives, to get things corrected in their hearts and their minds and their actions, Lord, in according to your way, according to your word. So again, Lord, open this, uh, this your scripture, many scriptures this evening in discussion and have your way. May it be pleasing to you. And again, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. If you would please open up your Bibles to 1 Peter. Uh, this is going to be the main scripture we will uh, kind of catapult off from uh, for us Again, tonight you'll hear a lot of scripture used. Again, I won't be able to have a lot of time to spend, but I will be reading a lot of them. Again, write them down, catch them. If they catch your ear, there's going to be a specific ones. That's the one that the Lord is using to, for you to go back and meditate on later. Uh, please do so. Uh, tonight's Tests and Temptations. This is continuing our, our series here about biblical principles. Uh, we did talk about... Uh, the three steps, uh, we did step uh, uh, 30, 31, and 32. 30 was about the fact that you're getting started or someone is starting that reminding you as your the very important biblical principle that when God comes in and has changed your life, you've been regenerated, you've been born again, that through your journey and as you're just being discipled by God into the, this life of, uh, of as a Christian, as a child of God, you have to remember change results and continues to result or continues to happen when you remember where you came from and the fact that not your past and dwelling of the past, but remember the day of salvation and what God, what you repented of and what God changed you from and freed you from. So there's a difference between dwelling on your past and living your past over and over and over. No, we're to press on, press, go away from that, press onward to what the new calling that God has for you. But you and I, are, as, we gener as we go through this journey, we have to remember that there's times where we have to remind ourselves we're saved. We have to remind ourselves the day of our salvation, the day that we repented, the day we surrendered our life to God. We have those moments, especially in that first six months to year to two years of your life. But there's points in your life of your journey, and it could be 10 years or 20 years walking with the Lord, where you may have gone back and, and, and really not been growing and maturing. And that's why the discipleship journey is all about continuing the race and continuing to walk. And it starts there remembering the fact that you had fallen 
You, you surrendered, you repented, and you do not want to, no longer want to do those sinful deeds that you used to do. You made a decision. That's no longer me. It's not, no longer I want to do those things. And you receive the Lord Jesus into your life. And you acknowledge that he's the lordship of your life. He's the master. He makes the decisions where you live, what you do, how you live, where you go. Not you and I. We don't make those decisions if you're truly surrendered to him. But there's times in your walk where you're not truly surrendered. You start thinking you know what's best for you. You lean on your understanding and you start contemplating of what you're going to do versus seeking him and what he's putting the desires in your heart to do. There's a difference. And then it has to continue in that step 31 about the continued process of a biblical change that takes in your place in your life. And you must faithfully practice daily responsibilities that God has given you based on the scripture. You have responsibilities and you're required to continue and we're required to be obedient and, and hit the commandments that God gives you and shows you to do. And we have to dis discipline ourselves toward the godliness of how God wants us to live according to the word. Not according to the world, but according to the word. And then once you've started, you're continuing, there's a good point there in step 32 where you're going to start maturing. You're going to see the growth in Christ. And you must persevere in doing what is good according to the Lord's sight by being obedient to the scriptures as you continue to seek after him in the scriptures. And he continues to reveal and, com and communicating with you about the things he wants you to do and how to, things you need to change. And the danger part is why you're not maturing. It's because you might sit there and remind yourself that you've been saved. You remind yourself the day of your salvation. You might be maturing and you're trying to be uh, really hard and, and faithfully practice your daily responsibilities. But you must understand you must do it in God's strength, in God's way. Leading, walking in the spirit and truth, not in your own flesh and carnality to creep in. That would be a really bad thing because then you will not mature in your relationship with Christ according to the scriptures. And what happens is you will no longer be obedient. Instead, you will desire to live according to your self-centered feelings and desires. So if you find yourself tonight, if you're working with someone and they're just really struggling, living based on their flesh, they're living by their feelings and desires, and the past hurts or the present hurts and stuff, then you, you, this is for you tonight. Because you're going to learn a lot about tests and, t and, and temptations and the difference between those. And you must settle that because many times people come and they don't know if it's from Satan or if it's just, it's just, or if it's just allowed in your life by God to test you, to refine you, to help you to grow. And so you need to, to work through that and tonight we'll do that. But let's read 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 9. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that it does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you know this is reserved for heaven in heaven for you? This is speaking to you as a believer. Who are kept by the power of God through the faith. Kept, understand that verse right there. You're kept in that relationship in regards to walking with him. You're, you're saved. You're a child of God. But to continue to walk with him and this journey, it, it must be kept by the power of God through the faith of salvation. Remembering the day of your salvation. Are you catching on the scriptures here? Ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You've been struggling with some trials in your life. 
that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So as we take a look at here tonight and the tests and in, in, in the uh, uh, tests and, and temptations that happen, understand that every person in the world, including yourself, will encounter various trials throughout your life. It is a given that you're going to have trials. If you think you can becoming a Christian and you'll have no more trials in your life, then you have listened to bad teaching somewhere. Because I assure you, you did not hear it from here. Because the scripture is very clear. You're going to go through trials. Satan seeks to defeat you. We learned that last week. Satan absolutely is determined, like a roaring lion, just creeping and watching and pacing back and forth, waiting to strike you. And we don't have to fear those things. We just know and recognize the enemy is real. And so that we understand that Satan seeks to defeat you by tempting you to trust your own wisdom to live according to your self-centered feelings and desires and to gratify those desires through your flesh. That's what Satan's purpose is to do to you. You get you all wrapped up in your feelings and wrapped up into your desires of the flesh and let that, that, that rev up and Satan's right there to just keep, keep pushing that little bit of fire going so that you will fall to the temptation that he presents to you. In contrast, God will, God's will is for you to be an overwhelming conqueror in all of these tests for his honor and glory. He will equip you to slay it, <laughs> to cut it down, man, to keep it from getting you. It's God's will that you conquer this. He's given you victory over the flesh. He's given you victory over sin. He's given you victory over the temptations. You must live it. You must practice it. You must train for it. And you must follow through with it. So what's the difference between tests and temptations? Make sure you understand this. A test is an opportunity for you to practice Christ-likeness by obeying God's word. How do you do it's a, You hear me say this all the time. It's a test, only a test. Have you not heard that from me before? Have you not heard that from me before? Everyone else on listening on Facebook has heard that from me before, I guess. But everyone's heard me say because there is a, there's a difference between temptation and test. And the test here is an opportunity for you to practice Christ-likeness by obeying God's word during that situation you find yourself in. So when you find yourself in the situation, is that a test or temptation? You've got to go to the word and say, "What, Lord, how do I handle this? And then I'll just be obedient to what you show me. Because it's a test, only a test. Will I come through this test doing it Christ-like way? Right? That's really what it comes down to. Will it honor and please Jesus Christ in what I'm going about to do to handle this? Because when you look at, for instance, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. There is differences in how you're going to respond to the situations that you find yourself in a daily basis. 
You also, we see in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. So there's the, the relationship that says, how am I going to live in these situations? I find myself every day. Galatians 5.16, I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do you continue to avoid the living in the lust of the flesh? You walk in the spirit. You walk according to God's way, his truth. That he's revealing. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So there is an absolute struggle that happens emotionally in your desires and your feelings and the situations when these trials and temptations are presented to you. The question is, will you bring your thoughts into captivity and immediately go to God and ask him to reveal to you his wisdom of how to deal with the situation, the feeling you're dealing with right now? But if we don't get that understanding and understanding and bring this under understanding of what the scripture says, you will struggle as a Christian. First John chapter two, verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things of in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So one of the key things that you're going to struggle with in your life is worldliness. You're going to want the desire of the things of this world. You're marketed to all day long in some form or fashion to get some part of the world that is presented in front of you. And as a Christian, we don't walk according to the world. We don't desire the things of this world because this is not our home. Heaven is our home. Verse 16 of 1 John 2, for, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That's the definition of worldliness. That lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So do you want to know how to move forward and understand if you desire the things of this world, it's so temporary. It's temporary. You're trying to grab a hold of something that is going to vanish any moment. But heavenly things that you're pursuing and, and desiring and to, to, for his kingdom, his purpose, his glory, that is eternal. That is going to be rewarded for you and I for eternity. So you must understand what you're trying to grab a hold of. So what's the difference? If Job said this, love Job, Job 23.10. Job, he said, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So Job, one of the incredible stories in the Bible, if you read through Job, it's a pretty uh, light, light, light read. But, <laughs> but this is a man who God allowed the test to come into his life. And it tested his faith. Would he, would he walk away from God when he lost everything? Or would he be refined by God through this testing as fine gold, as, as Job would say? And yes, he did. James says in James 1, verse 2 through 4, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking 
nothing. So we see right there is that a test is an opportunity for God, God is allowed in our lives as a child of God so that we can respond in a Christ-like way. Then you'll know if you pass the test. Then the question is, is after it goes past, the question is always, did you pass the test? And if you didn't pass the test, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have to do another test. You're going to have to retake it. Somehow, some way, in some form or fashion, God is going to bring you full circle back around to bring that test. So many times we go, I don't want, it to, I don't want this. To, I'm, not, I'm trying to avoid everything. We try to avoid our kids to ever have a test. Ever. I'm not saying throw your little kid out in the middle of the street and say, let's see the test if he can pass it or not. That's ridiculous. That is, that's insanity in, a, in itself. But, you, but sometimes moms and dads can go, oh, well, no, Johnny can't get near, you know, he can get his hands dirty, and there's bugs, and there's a, no, come on, there's, there's a balance there. You need the wisdom of God to help you understand the protection of your child, but sometimes these tests come to refine the child. In a big body called the, you know, adult, <laughs> or in a little body called the child, you know. But tests will come. Tests will come. What's the temptation? A temptation is which cannot be originated from God. Never will you be tempted by God. It's never from God. We see that very clearly in the scripture. But it's a solicitation for you to dis disobey God's word and to gratify your fleshly desires. And when you yield to that temptation and you do it, it will result in inevitably experience um, consequences you wish you would have never done. So Satan, demonic forces, Satan using someone else, they'll bring temptations and there should be a little sign right there on your chest that says, no solicitation. I'm not answering the door. So if you come knock on my door and try to get me to buy something that's going to cause me to sin, absolutely don't even show up at my doorstep. But so many people out there as Christians do not have that sign because they desire, they look and they and get themselves engulfed in the things of the world and it puts a beacon on their back that says, come tempt me, come tempt me because I'm going to places and doing things and watching and hearing things that is allowing Satan to say, great, they're allowing me to come knock on their door and solicit them. Because you're playing like the world. And you wonder why you're tempted all the time. But you got to look at that and say, I no longer want to do that. I no longer want that in my life. James, again, chapter 1, verse 12 through 16. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15. Then when, he desi when desire has conceived, it, brings, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do you see the process that happens? 
It starts with the mind. It just starts with these, these things you ponder on. You can get these desires that are not according to the word of God. And if you don't bring those under captivity, if you don't bring that and say, no, I'm not going to follow through with those things. No, I'm not going to do that. Then what happens is your own desires and enticements, it's just going to, going to hook you and it's going to start just kind of wheeling you in like the fish. Going to get you. You're going to get caught. It's only a matter of time if you nibble and you're going to grab a hold of that. And it will eventually bring about full-grown uh, uh, birth of the sin, but also full-grown right to the fact that you're spiritually, or in this case, even physically, physical death. So that's why you don't want to be deceived. Don't be deceived with temptation. See, when you're walking in the Spirit and in truth, you immediately know when you're being tempted. You know it because the Spirit of God inside you is alive and well and goes, nope. And you call him out on it. You call yourself out on it, and you run. You get away from it. Or tell them, get, get, get away from me. I, I don't want to deal with it. I don't, don't try to solicit me in any form or fashion. It's going to cause me to stumble. And regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in, to appeal to your self-centered feelings and fleshly desires is used by Satan as a temptation to test you to sin. And that's why... It's so important you learn the difference between tests and temptations. The contrast is so very different when it comes to God. When God allows things into your life, that taking that same circumstance, and if you used, and God can use it to bring about for you to then immediately come to Him, go to the Word of God, and respond in a Christ-like way, and now you've passed a test. Satan wanted it to be a temptation to bring you sin, but you responded because you, got, you went to God and you looked at the word of God and you responded by the, 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 way, of, the way of God and you responded in a Christ-like way and now you've passed the test that was presented. But your response and my response in any circumstance is absolutely your responsibility. You have to take responsibility. Because taking responsibility and how you respond to these circumstances determines whether you will stand firm in your faith and please God or fall to temptation and please yourself. 1 Timothy 6.9 But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's the desire of chasing richness. Chasing and trying to get wealth, you know, rich, quick kind of things and rich in this world. You're going to be in, in a situation where you can find yourself in a very bad position and you will be tempted uh, into the greed and other things that can come with that. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So understand, our Lord understands completely what you're dealing with and the type of temptations that can come to your direction. He was tempted in the wilderness just like you're tempted in this world today. James 4 Verses 7 through 10, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Did you see that? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he what will lift you 
up out of that situation. But you have to humble yourself. You must, you must run to God to be able to bring you out of that situation and temptation you find yourself in. So let's talk a little bit more about God and tests. We talked about the fact that God cannot tempt you, but he can test you. He, we see in the scripture that he tests individuals. He tests groups of people. He will test both the righteous and the wicked. He tests both. He will he'll use tests to refine his people. We see that clearly as can be. Luke 22, verse 31 through 34 says, Remember that the Lord said to, uh, to Simon, he goes, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Simon, Peter, Simon Peter was, tempt, was tested immensely in that situation. He failed that test. <laughs> but God restored him because God said, when you come back from that fall, you'll come back and I will use you in the lives of your brothers to, to tell them of what that test you failed and how you came out of that test and then grew from that and how God is going to now use me to teach you, brethren, uh, the, that situation. Psalm 66.10, I love. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So he'll, he'll refine even a group of people to refine them, to mold them and shape them to be used by God in a mighty, mighty way. Not only does he test individuals and groups of people and both righteous and wicked, but God tests are designed to strengthen our commitment to follow him and obey his word. So why am I going, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this test again? Because God is refining you to do greater things for him. He's refining you so that you are being strengthened in your commitment to follow him and obey his word. And when you, God has a person who is, is, is completely surrendered to him and obedient to the word, then he can use you in such a mighty way for his kingdom. No matter what the cost, you're going to follow him. And these tests refined and refined and refined. And it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. It's for your instruction and for my instruction. The Old Testament records examples of God's testing his peoples regarding their obedience is throughout the scriptures. Deuteronomy 8.2 And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. So these tests that God allows and brings in our life is to test our hearts to see are we committed to him? Are we absolutely surrendered to him? And how you and I respond to those tests will determine where we are in our maturity walk with him. We don't avoid it. We certainly don't complain and grumble about it. 
But know that God has allowed it and God is going to use this to refine me and test me. Is my heart right with you, Lord? Am I going to be obedient to what you're calling me to do? And he'll bring you to the point where you, you, you're going to have to make that decision. Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So Jesus himself had, was tested and was brought and learned through obedience by the things that he suffered. So if God did that to his own son, why would you not think he's going to do it to you as his son? As his daughter. Why would you not? Why would we think that we're going to be excluded to what Jesus went through that we're not going to go through? Because we're in denial. <laughs> we don't want to hear about the fact that we might have to go through some di difficult trials and tribulations. But the father is a good father. He's, he knows exactly what he needs to do to refine his son and his daughter. Father knows best. Amen? And you got to hold on to that because those moments where you're like, why is this happening? How could this ever happen? It will bring you to a point where you have to, do you believe God is good and that he loves you, that you are loved? Now, God forbids people to test or tempt him. We are not to test God. We're not to tempt God and his character. Deuteronomy 6.16 6, says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in, in Massa, Massa. Matthew 4.7, Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. 1 Corinthians 10.9, Nor let, your tempt, let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. So we see very clearly that we are not to tempt God. Malachi 3.10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me. This is the only time where God says to them, this is, okay, test me, try me. Only one place that we see in the scriptures here. Where he says, try me now this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will, be, will not be room enough to receive it. Test me. You tithe. You give your, 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 your first fruits to me and see how I will respond. You cannot outgive me. You cannot outthink you. I owe you. I'm going to bless you more than you would ever be able to bless me in your giving. So he's made that, the only test we see here is in Malachi 3.10, and it happens to be of giving to the Lord for his purpose. So, but any other than that, God says, no, we're not to test him, we're not to tempt him. It would be wrong. If we do, if we find ourselves doing that, then we will find ourselves really someone that will reveal the fact that if you tempt God or try to test God, you're really, your heart is hardening. It's an indication that your heart is hardening. And when you fall, you will fail to live by his word. It's only a matter of time you will stop 
reading the word of God, let alone being obedient to the word of God or sharing the word of God, I want to hear the word of God, you will avoid, if something's not right with your heart, you will avoid hearing the word of God. You will avoid it. You will stop reading it. Or you will drastically decrease in it. But how important it is we do not allow that to happen because it's important to remember that God will discipline his people when they test him because testing the Lord in itself is an act of disobedience and disbelief. That's what it is. Psalm 90, 98. No, 95. Psalm 95, uh, verses uh, 8 through 11 it says, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It's like a rebellious heart when you harden it. And as in the day of the trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. And if you remember, 40 years <laughs> they tested God. 40 years. They grieved. That whole generation grieved God because they tested him. These are people whose hearts went astray. They weren't willing to do it his way. They wanted to do it their own way in this life. And that's when he said none of them will be, would go into the promised land. It was the next generation that was going to benefit going into the promised land. The other ones would not because they, they, they just uh, they, they hardened their hearts and became rebellious. We see that God promises to rescue his people in any difficulty. Any difficulty. Psalm 34, 19. May, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God will come and rescue you. When you find yourself in difficult situations, do you cry out and ask him for help to come rescue you? 2 Peter 2.9 says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So never should we as a believer sit there and say, I, No one can help me. I, I, this is, I, this, I'm falling into this sin and this temptation all the time and it's just who I am and there's no one can help me and, and this is just, it's been going on so long and I can't change and you know, all these things can come in our mouths, come out of our mouths because you don't believe. You really don't know God, your heavenly father. And that's why the, you, in your journey you must fall deeper in love with God and to know him more in a deeper way so when these trials or these temptations are coming and difficulties, you will know God and that he will bring you out of this difficulty. It doesn't say he's going to keep you from the difficulties, what we call valleys, but he promises you to walk you through the valley and come out the other end. But so many people say, I know God, but really they don't know God. And that comes very clear when you go into a, into a trial. <laughs> when there's a temptation, it clearly reveals where the person is in regards to that. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temp temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. 
No one understands me. You ever understand what I deal with, man? You, it's, it's much more serious than yours, you know. We get all kinds of reasoning. But no, it's all common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a, the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That is a promise you need to hold on to because when the enemy comes in to tempt you, God is going to strengthen you and give you the ability of a way to get out of there so you don't fall to that temptation. The question is, is as you are in your relationship with God, uh, is that relationship so deep that the Holy Spirit is so moving that the Holy Spirit just tells you exactly the pathway to get out? Or do you really want the desires of your heart and you really want the things of this temptation of the world and you don't listen and look for what God gives you the way out? It's not until you all of a sudden you find yourself in that sin and grieving from that because of the grieving of the Holy Spirit and the conviction that comes on you. It's like, oh, why did I do that? God's saying, I'm asking the same question there. <laughs> why did you choose that? I told you, and I sent you all kinds of ways to get out of it, but you didn't listen. May that not be us. But that's God in the testing. Satan and temptation to self-gratification, we see that Satan's very nature is to tempt, to solicit evil in your life. Matthew 4.3. Matthew 4.3 says it very clearly. Now when the tempter came to him... He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. I mean, even, Satan, even Satan came against Jesus himself and tried to tempt him. Satan lives to just to devour people. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober. Clear-minded people here. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversaries, the devil, walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we must be very careful because the ruler of this world, Satan, is absolutely uses three techniques to try to get you. Three ways, tools to get you. What were they? The lust of the flesh, gratifying your selfish desires, those living for one's feelings. That is the lust of the flesh. You see it played out in real time across this the TV these days. Then Satan loves to then use the other tool, the lust of the eyes, to covet, to greed, desire for more, never satisfied. You're not content. You look at what everyone else has. Oh, I want that too. And then lastly, the tool of boastful pride of life, that self-centered living. I get to live however I want to live. It's all about I magazine. I life, I this, I that, sell, sell, sell. It, that is just a trick, a tool that the enemy uses. So you shouldn't and I shouldn't be set, uh, surprised by this because these enticements for you to do evil or to go against the word of God and what God's trying to tell you not to do. And, and sometimes it's not, it's not sin when you sit there and say, oh, I want this. And God says, no, you, you really don't need that. You don't need that. It's not sin. It's just don't, you don't need it. 
It can sin when you know that God says that you don't need it and you go buy it anyway. <laughs> now you're disobedient because the Spirit of God told you, don't, don't touch it. And you touch it. Satan's certainly initial temptation was in mankind with Adam and Eve, was it not? Don't eat the fruit of that tree. <laughs> they ate the fruit of the tree. <laughs> you know? Satan was, God allowed Satan to, uh, to tempt Job, but Job did not take a, a bite of that thing. He was not going to sit there and wallow into his feelings and desires of self-gratification. He just lost everything that was close to him. His children, his wealth, his positions in the society, everything was taken away. But that did not turn Job away from his love for his God by faith. And of course, Satan came in and tempted uh, Jesus himself in the wilderness. Challenging him to turn stones into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. Asking Jesus to throw himself off the temple. That's the pride of life. Promising Jesus the, t the kingdoms of this world if you just follow me on this. That's the lust of the eyes. How did Jesus overcome all of these temptations? How do we overcome all of these temptations? By the word of God. By the word of God. That's how Jesus did it. That is how we do it. And we must understand that and continue to live by that. And I can go on and on and on here. But I'm not going to take on any more this evening. But I am next week. I'm going to go and we're going to go through the practical steps. It's, under, it's great to understand tests and temptations. It's great to understand what an understanding of what those differences are and to know if this is, this is being a fiery dart from Satan or if this is a test that God has allowed. And, but either way, you must respond in a Christ-like way so that becomes a test you pass. But we're going to give you more practical things that you can apply to your life because I want you to know what you must do and take responsibility in this journey. You must practice things. And next week we'll go through the practical steps of achieving this biblical change that we're talking about so that you live and walk in the spirit and not and in truth and not in the flesh. And we will go through that. And I will, I, I'm calling it a contingency plan. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to give you the contingency plan. So next week, be prepared to write down so you know the plan and apply it to your life so you live this godly life that God desires for you.